Greetings, Dr. Beckett. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Al, an observer from his own time, who appears in the form of a hologram that only Sam can see and hear. And so Dr. Beckett finds himself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong, and hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap home. You are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode 48, A Hunting We Will Go. It's like we done caught us kidnapped. <laughs> you think maybe there's a reward out for us? There should be. What he done to me is He's not in any danger, and I'm not a criminal. Oh, what's this? Oh, but please, it's got the key. It says here that's a rest warrant. Well, that's phony. Who's it for? Well, it's for her. I'm telling you, it's fake. It says here you want to buy the authorities in Arkansas for re- embezzlement. She's a, sh- a crook. What makes you uh, one of them? Uh, uh, what do you call it? Law bounty hunter. Yeah, bounty hunter. Bounty hunter. Your Gordon O'Reilly bounty hunt, 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 bounty hunter. Oh, oh, you're a bounty hunter. I know. And that's Diane Frost who. Come on, come on, hurry up! My feet hurts. Well, as Diane was arrested for forging her boss's name to a million bucks worth of checks. And she jumped bail and went on the lam for four days. I am not a crook. Are you saying you didn't forge a million dollars worth of checks? No, I admit I forged Rodney's signature. Am I missing something here? It all ties in with that phony gold share scheme. The phony scheme, gold share scheme, right. He preyed on all these old people who trusted him with their retirement money. And my mama was one of them. Where is the money? It's hidden. I was about to give it back. And when I caught up with you... Where's she going? What difference does it make? I did what I was supposed to do. She's still alive. What difference does it make? Yeah, but not for long. She dies in 20 minutes. Sam almost trucks was a theme to you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, it certainly was, especially after the last few episodes, because sure. he's been so prudish and standoffish. And hi everybody, this is the Quantum Leap Podcast. And yes, Allison did actually start the show by saying Sam almost fucked <laughs> as a theme for this one. I didn't know one, we but... were going to start the show with that. That's how we're going to lead into <laughs> people. Now we have. <laughs> when you say that, that's gold to me. So yes. This is a lead and say hi, everyone. Hi. <laughs> hi. What are we doing? Introductions? Are we just going all willy nilly now? We'll go around the room. Chris. Allison. And Matt. See, you all know. You all know us by now. Yeah. So. And welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. We are up to a hunting we will go, which is one of the better season three episodes, in my opinion, guys. I was hoping you'd like it. Maybe because Sam almost fucks. <laughs> 
Is that really like a big deal to you in this episode? That <laughs> he really has sex in it? <laughs> yeah. it- it should be. Only in context with the last few episodes in which he is beset by sex on every side and does all he can to avoid it. So um, we, we can get into that aspect, that dynamic of this episode. But I think the episode has a lot more to offer than that, Allison. So no, that's not the only thing, but it was something that stood out to me. So Sure. I have to say, though, I, I don't often try and promote my book. I wrote a book, um, but <laughs> if and when I ever revise it, I think I need to have Sam almost fucks as a header in the episode <laughs> where there's there's a bit of sexual tension going on. That, that needs tracking throughout the series. Okay, well, I'll give you due credit for that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now then, so we're going to catch up from the last episode. Um, so I have my radio sightings. Allison has her. Monster Squad sightings, and now Matt has his Sam almost box sightings. Yeah, we are going to really wear out that hand link sound effect <laughs> or blooper effect. But I think it's I, hmm, I think it's pretty significant in this episode to see Sam cross that line, mm. and it's because it's very specific. It's very character driven, and um, yeah, Allison, I do think it's a theme that deserves some broader discussion. So. I did put it down on the rundown as kind of a joke, but I still do want to go into it a little bit deeper. Sure. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> you you want to get quantum deep with it? <laughs> <laughs> I hope Hayden doesn't sue us. <laughs> uh, let's save that for the bonus show. Um, did you say the bonus show? <laughs> Sorry, I, I've got the headphone on low, so I... I oh, this is right in the toilet, isn't it? Oh, my God. Hey, someone rescue me. Where do we go from here? Well, we did we did our introductions. Are we going to do, like, uh, our initial impressions of this episode? Yeah, there must be something other than fucking to talk about with this episode. <laughs> We're going to get an E rating for is sure. The, is that your, your rating for this episode? There must be something other than fucking to it. <laughs> Uh, I really liked this episode. Uh, it's one of my favorites. It's a good comedy episode. Uh, Jane Sibbett's a really solid guest star. It's good stuff. Yeah, I really like this one as well. And I, I think it's good that it comes just a few weeks after Piano Man. Because in the, the two female leads, I see a lot of similarity. But done so much better this time around. Uh, <laughs> by having... You've, you've got this, this blonde who is basically torturing Sam throughout the entire episode, but Jane does it so well with the character that she's given. Uh, so yeah, yeah, good good episode. Yeah, and I think it's all right there on the page, Matt. That's exactly what I was thinking when I was watching this. It's like, this is Piano Man gone perfectly right. Yeah. Whereas Piano Man was everything gone perfectly wrong. And guys, tell me, I didn't even bother to look. Who wrote this episode? Do we uh, know? Beverly Bridges. Beverly Bridges. She's she's done other stuff too, right? Yeah, if Sam gets his top off, there's a good chance it's Beverly Bridges. <laughs> <laughs> but it shows that Beverly is a regular when it comes to writing for this show, that she's invested in the characters because the humor that we saw in Piano Man was by Ed Sharlak. And you remember I went into the fact that he was basically a one and done with Quantum Leap and nothing in the episode, especially character-wise really resonated. Whereas with this one, I think the characters came across loud and clear. And 
that to me is why I think the humor in this one worked so well. And we'd also have to give it up to Jane because if they ever thought of putting like a third cast member in a female <laughs> to juice things up, Jane would have been perfect. She fit right yeah. in. I thought with Scott right in with just the feel of the show, the vibe that she gave off was wonderful. She commanded this episode. Like yeah. she, she oh, was she? really like one of the stars of the episode. You know, sometimes you have guest stars and they're carried by Scott Bakula, Dean Stockwell, mm. but really it was, it was equal between all of them. For sure. And it's a lucky thing because in many ways she had to carry this episode. It's funny that we can think of this one as a really good character piece for Sam. But for the most part, he's reacting to what she's throwing at him. She is the driving force in this episode. And I think in the hands of maybe a lesser actress, it wouldn't have been as effective. But because Jane was so nuanced in her performance when it came to playing Diane... She was, I, I don't know, like it turns devious and then sincere and then uh, violent. And no matter what she did, though, even though she was the bad guy, she always came across as sympathetic. You mm-hmm. always liked her. Anyway, I did. I, she never crossed that line into, oh, my God, will this annoying harpy shut up? <laughs> well, you know what the strange thing about this show is? There, there's a like I watch a lot of old TV, a really lot of old TV, and there's a lot of – um archetypes and stereotypes and tropes that get used over and over in these types of shows. And there are certain ones that I just can't stand. And for some reason, when Quantum Leap does them, they don't do them in a way that I hate them. Because normally I I do kind of hate the stories where it's like, here's the guest star, usually a woman who's got to trick the boys and like, oh, she's always one (laughs) step ahead and kind of smug. And that's always like super annoying. Like it it should be funny, but it, it gets on my nerves. But with this one, it didn't. I didn't feel like I hated her. I, I was interested to see what her character was doing. And, and maybe that was because of the nuances that were added to it. Like there, there was more to it than just being smug and having to learn a lesson. Yeah, Beverly gave the character a lot of depth when she wrote it. And I think we've, we've got to give a lot of credit to both Beverly and Jane for creating such an appealing character. And it was built, that story was built into Sam and Al's stories too. Yeah. Because they both mm. had something going on that had to do with Diane. Um, mm. Sam had uh, the obvious uh, sexual attraction going on that he was in denial about. And Al had the story about uh, his ex-wife that she reminded him of. She looks exactly like Maxine, my fifth, fifth, yeah, fifth wife. <laughs> Matt, do you have your book handy? Can we can we reiterate Al's five steps or whatever they were of a relationship? <laughs> that made me laugh out loud. <laughs> um, I don't think I have that in the book, do I? I know what you're talking about. Um, yeah. Well, Allison, you pop it in right here. <laughs> there are five stages of love. Oh. The first is denial. Then the second is sex. Then there's acceptance. Then there's divorce. And then there's more sex, if you're lucky. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I loved that Al had this whole subplot about his uh, ex-wife, Maxine. Um, I think she is one of his ex-wives that I find the most interesting outside of Beth. Maybe because they, they tell us the most about her. Was she also the one that he mentioned in Thou Shall Not, 
when Sam was the rabbi? No, that was Ruthie. That was the that third was wife. Ruthie. Yeah, I would say Ruthie gets mentioned more in the series, but... Um... Maxine, I feel like you know a bit mm. more about her. Like, okay. they have the cheating story where he thought yeah. that she was cheating, and then uh, I guess eventually she did because she mm. ran off with a bricklayer or something. Yeah. And she wanted to uh, to to be in the roller derby, and, and they had all sorts of really <laughs> interesting <laughs> details about this? her. <laughs> The, well, the roller derby thing is from a later episode, so spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, they have the the thing about he met her in a tattoo parlor, so it seems like she was kind of his crazy ex-wife. Yeah, um, I'm, I, I do not know or catalog the loves of Al Calavici. I'm sure they're written down somewhere, but I could, I could, if you had a gun to my head, I couldn't name all of Al's wives. Let me see if I can try. Give me, give me a ding if I get them right. Um, okay. Beth? Mm-hmm. Beth. I got Beth, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. I know there's Maxine. Mm-hmm. I know there's Ruthie. So we said those three. So was Sharon one? Yes. Oh, wow. That was four. Yeah. And the second one never got a name. She was just the Hungarian one. Yes. <laughs> oh, really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. So I guess I knew them better than I thought. I went quiet there because I was desperately flicking through the book. Um, <laughs> no, it's okay. <laughs> just, no, no, but just just in case Chris uh, needed a bit of help there, uh, I was I was almost ready. <laughs> I believe Maxine is one of two of his wives that threw things at him. That sounds right. <laughs> I find that very interesting, and I do I do like that he has this story where he's trying to work through his guilt about um, wrongfully thinking that she was cheating, even though he is a character. That in canon cheats on his girlfriends oh, yeah. and his wife, so it's it's such a hypocritical thing for him <laughs> to have divorced her because of that. Well, we saw a glimpse of that kind of hypocrisy that Al has in Glitter Rock when he was talking about don't swim in another man's mm-hmm. pool. Mm-hmm. Yet, who knows who he's if he's out cheating with somebody, cheating on his on his wife or his girlfriend. Uh, he's cheating on, or is Tina cheating on him with Gushy, or is Gushy cheating on him with, like, he's, there's that whole Tina, Gushy, Al love triangle thing yeah. going on, so. Chris, 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 he's Chris, obviously Chris. Sp- it's not inconsistent, it's just complex. I, <laughs> I never said it was inconsistent, it's just hypocritical. <laughs> is, how, that, is that the same, the same thing? thing? <laughs> how much sex is going on at Project Quantum Leap, anyway? All of the sex. All, all of the fucking is happening. <laughs> it feels like it's a very horny place. Maybe once Sam left, they're like, ah, the prude's gone, everyone, orgies everywhere. Project Quantum Leap more than almost fucks. In the pilot, like, Al's talking about going into the copying room with mm. one of the ladies. Like, they got... <laughs> it's the place to work if you want STDs. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a good dark turn. <laughs> Maybe they they were losing their budget because they're like, everyone's just like goofing around having sex. You're trying to build a time machine? Like, what is it? We're funneling billions into this? (laughs) Well, if Hot Tub Time Machine has taught us anything, it's that you do build a time machine to have sex. So... (laughs) The, by the way, the, the sex scene in this, pretty steamy for this show. Oh, yeah. I thought it was it was sexy. Yeah, I mean, should we go through the episode a little bit? Because Oh, you want to talk about something other than the sex scene? No, no, not not at all. Uh, just Maybe they say it just needs the proper buildup. Okay. <laughs> anyway, for Sam it does. And this is what I wanted to get into before when, when we began. The reason that the Sam almost part of this stood out to me so much was because he doesn't seem to have any problem in the last few episodes avoiding that temptation. 
it, it's on him at every side. And Al calls him out about it and just like, what are you doing? You're giving up the chance of a lifetime. In this one, she's not particularly throwing herself at him in any real way, aside from maybe to manipulate him. But he falls for her. Or anyway, he he falls in lust with her. What's the word I'm looking for there? Yeah, he's, it's he's, lust. Yeah, he's taken by her, but that is so in keeping with his character because along the way of all these misadventures, I feel like he built sort of a personal connection with her, and therefore his internal, uh, well, his his moral compass is probably now attuned to the point where Sam as a character within character can legitimately be attracted to this woman and finally give in to some of that temptation. And I liked that about it because in all of the other situations that we've seen thus far, the temptation is just there and it, it exists. In this one, it builds and it becomes a real connection. So it was in, in really good keeping with the character they had built thus far. Now, Allison, I remember you said that in season one, he was a horn dog and wanted to sleep with everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Am I forgetting that? Am I conveniently forgetting that? I'm, tr I'm trying to remember season one. In season one, there was a lot of like, you know, eyeballs to the ladies and <laughs> kind of comments. And like, it wasn't super overt, but it was there. You know, it, it did not seem the same character as as later in some points All right. i feel like uh he was he was more interested in just like this is a hot lady you know guys like the ladies <laughs> rather than the sam beckett of this episode which is he fell for her because of her you know if he mm. just wanted to have sex with attractive ladies like he was just in a cat house mm, you right. know it, it wasn't just because it, it is a hot lady that wants to have sex with him and this does keep in character with him because he's so frustrated at himself for falling for her. Like, he doesn't want to. He just does. That, you know? That part I buy more. I've got to say, Chris, I think I, I, I'm glad you see the analysis that you see. I don't see it. And it doesn't bother me, but I don't, I don't get why it's different with Diane than it is with all the previous women this season. It, it doesn't... It doesn't sit right with me. It doesn't bother me. It's a fun episode. It doesn't um, doesn't change anything. But Alison, I think your your analysis um, of that element is spot on. Well, you know, maybe he just has a type, and that's women that beat the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> now that makes sense. He likes a hard time. She. He gets the the crap beaten out of him. This episode, and this is not light stuff. Okay. This is, he, he hits his head against a, a metal barn ha door handle, hmm. knocked unconscious, falls, falls off of a manure? second story in the barn into the manure, gets his head bashed in again with a car door. Like, he'd have like a concussion or something after that. Like, these are not light injuries. Sam's a superhero. Yeah, but <laughs> it's also, I mean, it's it, an example of the slapstick done right. Because just I love the I love the slapstick. Yeah, it was it was terrific. Every bit of it worked, and it it's just so weird that it none of it worked at all in Piano Man. You have the same actor 
with, I guess, maybe the same motivation, but it maybe just failed to come through in that episode because none of the other elements of that episode really resonated. At least not, they didn't with me. I know that you, you liked the episode a, little, well, a lot better than I did, Allison, but I mean, would you... Con- <laughs> this one did it better. I'll give yeah, you that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you know what makes, I think, the slapstick and the misery in this work better than Piano Man is that everyone else around Sam is just sort of not caring as much as him about this. There's sort of this gleeful intent from Diane. You know, she feels bad about it, but she is sort of taking joy in this misery. And meanwhile, Al is over there being completely unhelpful. Like, he, he's like, what are you doing taking a nap, Sam? Get up! Uh, you know, like, why don't you, you know, oh, I, th- I think you look like you must stink. You know, he's kind of like giving him crap all the time. Boy, I'm glad I'm a hologram and I don't have to smell you. You must really reek. I stink. I can say that again. And and Sam's here going crazy. Like, why this leap from hell is going on and nobody cares? And there's something so funny about Sam's misery here because it's it's completely unwarranted. <laughs> like, yeah. he doesn't really deserve any of this, but... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and... It's I, hilarious. It's hilarious also because he plays it so straight. I think it's one of the few times where the show has jokes at Sam's expense because of how he is and who he is, because he's so sort of uptight, because he's so sort of naive in a lot of ways. Um, Diane really takes advantage of that aspect of his character, and we see it coming, and she sees Mm. the opportunity, but he never does, and I think that's what makes it funny. And again, it, it... so much of this comes down to Jane. If you really look at her face during the episodes, she broadcasts big time what she's thinking, what she's doing. <laughs> she goes so broad at times. You you got to think, how does this work? But it does. And again, I, I can't explain why. There's just a certain chemistry there that lets her get away with it on screen, whereas I think if there was another actor or maybe Al, like, throwing some of the faces that Diane throws in this, you'd say, what is Dean doing here? <laughs> but for some, somehow Jane, Jane seems to make it work. And I think that adds to it, too, because it just, it increases that fun factor overall. Well, I think it's because a lot of it is supposed to be a performance on the character's part. You know, a lot of it, when she's throwing some of the smiles or saying some of these things to him... Uh, it's because she's putting on this facade and and being really playful about it and, and perhaps not showing exactly everything about her because she's trying to manipulate him. So I, I think when it is so broad, uh, it, it isn't necessarily supposed to be true to how someone would normally act. But yeah, but that's I wasn't really referring to that. I'm talking about when she is, when she knows that Sam can't see her, when she's trying to figure out what she's going to do next to escape. There are, it's all over her face. I mean, it's Mm. it's writ large. And for, I think a lot of people that wouldn't have worked, I think it would have just been too screamingly obvious. But like I said, that that's what I was talking about. It being just, Mm. just a little bit over the top, but, uh, but I think you're right too. I mean, she was also very good when she was putting on that, that big act, whichever act she needed at the moment, you know? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. I, I particularly liked the delivery of the line when she's uh, in the train yard uh, with the sheriff and with Rodney, and she's trying to tell them where the money is. And she goes, it's in there, in that boiler thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty old. 
<laughs> for no reason, just that huge emphasis. And yeah. I, I adore that line. It's all right up here. In that border thing. In that border thing. In that border thing. <laughs> <laughs> I love her, like, the southern accent that she puts on oh. for it. Like, uh, all of those little details to make this character. And and the fact that she's a character that's uh, just gets down and dirty, right? Mm. Like, she's just rolling around in the manure. She's kicking her legs up. With, she's, you know, hitchhiking and rolling her, her skirt up. And she's, like, just willing to do anything yeah. to, to get out of this situation. Now, here's, here's the thing. Now, I was wondering. Okay, so... She escapes the bounty hunter. Say Sam never leapt in, but the original history went that she got away from, what was his name? I want to say Clifford or Sam, Sam Sleepy. We oh, I don't, yeah, I yeah, don't even remember. Was yeah, it right? Cole something? <laughs> right. We'll say Cowboy Dude. I don't, we'll say, we'll say beard, yeah. beard Guy. Beard Bounty you know, Hunter. Walker, Texas Ranger. Yeah, <laughs> she yeah, gets I'm away furiously from, looking this up because I'm awesome. <laughs> she gets away from Chuck Norris Light <laughs> and she delivers that money that she's she's desperately trying to get throughout the episode. Um, assuming that she was sincere and that Sam's presence there didn't influence her to do the right thing, assuming that she was going to do the right thing the entire time, what is her end game? Because even if she sends the money, those guys are still after her. She's still a fugitive. So I'm just wondering, like, if she ever thought beyond, well, at least let me mail this stuff off to the people who were swindled. Presumably, like, it wasn't a good plan and she was going to die. <laughs> and that's why Sam leaped in. I guess that's why he's helping her, because she, she didn't really think this through too good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess maybe I'm, I'm digging a little bit too deeply, but I'm just trying to figure out originally what her intent was beyond doing the right thing because even she says i finally got a chance to step up i got finally got a chance to make a difference i guess i just didn't do it very well i had to do something brave it was the first time in my life i ever had a chance to make a difference Only i did it badly she well part of it too was because it was personal for her because her mother was one of the people that was scammed by him right right so in a perfect world she gets away from the bounty hunter she Gordon. gets that stuff. Gordon, thank you. She gets away from Gordon, uh, Texas Ranger Light, and she mails the letters. Where would she go from there? Does anyone have an idea? No? <laughs> uh, straight into a shallow grave. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe she would just stay on the run. Maybe that's what her thoughts were. You know, she'd use her, um, her wits and... Uh... Just stay on the lamb. I gotta admit, I I rarely pick apart the original histories too much because I suspect there's quite a few of them that fall apart if you analyze them too much. Yeah, well, I mean, I I think really like she didn't have a plan. I think yeah. really that's the the original history, yeah. and that's why it didn't turn out good for her. I got you. I got you. And I guess the reason why I was so curious as to what her original intent was and where she might have gone, it was because she was so driven in what she was doing. So I just can't for the life of me believe that she would just think to this this halfway mark where, okay, I finally get to the money and I mail it out. Then where I guess maybe she was just doing it on the fly. I don't know if there's anything really interesting in this conversation, guys, so we can derail it <laughs> at any time. Well, she, you know what? She's a character who's good at thinking on her feet in the moment, but not a long-term planner. Yes. 
You know, like she's like, I- I'm in this situation. I need to do this real quick. You know, that's why she's like, uh, I'm, I'm gonna hitchhike and then ditch this, uh, this bounty hunter. And then she gets kicked out for stinking. And then she's like, well, I got to do this now. And I got, you know, she's not like, she doesn't have a, a blueprint for everything that she's going to do. She's just uh, reacting to what she has and and uh, what tools are at her disposal. That's fair. I do like that that guy just kicks her out for stinking, yes. by the way. <laughs> I like, love that point. feet away. <laughs> no, thank you. Within like 30 yeah. seconds, maybe. Yeah. I mean, that had to have been a very yeah. short drive. I was going to say, yeah. how bad did she stink? And I love that because... I had forgotten the beats of this episode, and I was thinking, oh, crap, well, now, I guess he's got Al to center in on her so he can find her, <laughs> but yeah. they found a much more organically funny way for Sam to catch up with her. You know, it's like, oh, she's right there. The guy must have must have kicked her out, so Sam probably could have found her on his own as well, even though they did have Al center in on her, right? Yeah. But the fact yeah. that she was right there, that they could just pick up the action right away, I thought was a main strength of the episode. There was not a lot of wasted chase in this. It was all character interaction. And they crammed in, I think, a lot of good character interaction for the two of them, almost nonstop. Sometimes just bad things happen to them, like, just because of, like, the people around them being dumb. Like that bus driver. <laughs> like, I don't get the deal with that guy. I don't get, like, he's, he's, he's immediately like, hey, if, if I get any trouble, like, I'm going to, I'm going to kick you off this bus. If there's any commotion, I'll throw you off. You got it? And then once they, once uh, they're kicked off and he's explaining to the sheriff, he's like, look, if it seems like I'm going to die, I, I get to kick him off the bus. You threw them off? Section 503P of the regulation book. If it looks like I'm going to die... I can throw people off. Don't matter where. Like, what part of that made you think you were going to die? What kind of jumpy, like, they were just arguing over a hat in the back. You're like, oh, I'm going to die. Get off the bus. He's clearly got some kind of PTSD relating to hats. It's just, (laughs) he's like, this is not happening again. Not on my watch. Not again. (laughs) Screams in the background, him fading into the distance. No. Again, <laughs> they should have talked to his manager. He wasn't a very good bus driver. That wasn't really hey, listen, anything of Sam's fault. His bus, his rules, and she was intent. I mean, it was also well. Could could the bus? Could the the people who his bosses have been happy with that? That he's kicking anyone off anytime there's any sort of trouble going on. Well, they paid for their tickets. It's not like they're getting a refund. Yeah. So, <laughs> this was the days before social media. They weren't going to be going on on Facebook kicking up a yeah. fuss about the bus company. No Yelp reviews. <laughs> Lots of shaky cam footage of uh, of them being kicked off during the rounds. Bus driver kept muttering about hat. <laughs> Not like wouldn't use again. <laughs> You guys thought a lot more about this bus driver than I ever did. I always thought, every time I watched that, I thought that was so weird. I'm like, what is his problem? <laughs> I like, too, the, the the classic bit when they like he kicks him off the bus and Sam like, oh, can life get any worse than this? <laughs> right. Rain. <Yeah. laughs> can life get any worse than this? It's like you gotta you gotta think, wow, somebody was really just jonesing to put a scene like that in, you know? But <laughs> yeah. it always makes me think of uh, young Frankenstein. What a filthy job. Could be worse. How? Could be raining. 
<laughs> that does go way back. That is that is one of the old chestnuts, and they really made it work. Like like yeah. a lot of the stuff in this episode, it shouldn't have worked because it was just so broad and so obvious. Yet it it fit in perfectly. So I like after um, he's getting roughed up by those uh, vigilante helpers in the beginning by the phone booth, and they take out the the um, the paper, the arrest warrant, and they're reading it. And then Sam and the dumb cowboy guys are trying to figure out yeah. the word bounty hunter. <laughs> well, it makes you uh, one of them, uh, uh, what do you call it, law, bounty hunter. Yeah, bounty hunter. Scott's reaction to that, too, when he realizes, he's like, bounty hunter like like he does and that's right before they like punch him in the guts and she starts screaming again a, a perfectly played scott can sometimes do subtle comedy that is just <clears throat> it reminded me of that bit of business he had in a little miracle when he didn't know how to work the intercom it's oh it, yeah, yeah you know but it's it just small <laughs> and he's sort of it's sort of in the background you wouldn't really notice it if you weren't paying attention but it's just hilarious and i thought that line read was especially inspired by him i'm glad they used it because it it helped again just set the tone for the episode especially of him being out of his depth for most of it bounty hunter, bounty somehow it was funny and at the same time it established where he would be for the entire episode I, and i love any scene that's got like Dumb country folks. <laughs> well, quantum we leap does it this well. Lady out. <laughs> a bounty hunter. <laughs> Looks like you're going to jail, little lady. Looks like you're going to jail, little lady. Oh, that's what you think. Come on, Bill. Dumb country folks, evil Italians. I mean, quantum leap does the stereotypes <laughs> a lot. I didn't see that country folks is especially dumb. They just had dumb accents. Is that? (laughs) No, they were dumb. Like, they're going over, like, we're just going to rough him up. Oh, bounty hunter, what? They're trying to figure that out. (laughs) They were dumb. They had good intentions, but they were dumb. She was a pretty lady and he was a man. So, therefore, Mm -hmm. beat up the guy. That's the only thing that's going through their minds. I'm sure that there's been some mistake. Oh. Down, wife, Code of chivalry in the South, right? Yeah. <laughs> when Sam goes back into the phone booth and she just kicks him square in the ass. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how oh, much of that was scripted and how much of that they, they just pretty much improvised on set. Because there was a lot of physicality in this episode. And I'm sure Diamond was intimately involved in most of it but when you just see stuff like that mm. yeah i wonder if they just worked it out between them like in rehearsal hey why don't you try kick him in the ass that'll be, probably be pretty funny right or, or whatever <laughs> <laughs> what, what what did you guys think of the villains in this episode uh rodney and and sheriff bumblefoot <laughs> <laughs> use uh, that, that uh, hand link screech <laughs> <laughs> Matt, you first. What did you think? Uh, kind of forgettable cheap villains and in any other episode um, would have been really off-putting. Um, but I think you, you've suspended disbelief so much by the time they show up. It's just like, yeah, all right, that's fine. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's I, I think... Yeah, they come off as very funny, but only in the context of that. You lift them and put them in any other episode that's trying and failing to be funny, or a serious episode, and um, yeah, it falls flat on its face. Yeah, it's it's borderline insulting, and I would yeah. say for many people who are maybe Southern or whatever, it would have been like, what what the F? Like, 
Yeah. Come on. Really? <laughs> you don't tell me where the money is. I'm just going to go find your mom and kill her. <laughs> what? You're going to go take the trip, find her mom, shoot her, and go, ha, 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 I got her. <laughs> Good one. Here's the thing. It's like Matt is 100% right. In, in any other context, they would have been screamingly horrible. Not just because they're bad people and bad guys. It's just that they're dopey characters written very broadly. Th- this episode sort of saved them. Right. The episode, yeah. the episode, because I got to be honest, like every time I've watched this episode, I've completely forgotten who the villains yes. were and what their motivations were. And I recognize um, the guy who plays Rodney, he's Ken Marshall, who was, uh, he was a star in Kroll and he was uh, Eddington on Deep Space Nine. Oh, so he's had a course. lot of like uh, iconic oh, roles. Yeah. So I know who he is. And, and he but can he's act so forgettable well. in this. <laughs> Yeah, right. yeah, he's a good actor, yeah. but you would you wouldn't really know it from this because he doesn't he's, get anything to do. He's not given great material in this, and I feel like he he should have been scummier, right? Because he was cheating a bunch of uh, people out of their money, and he was uh, he was beating up Diane, like he's like you know wrenching her arm behind her back, and you know, pretty scummy character. But it, I never, I didn't feel that threat there with him, you know, like they they were sort of secondary to everything else. Was it was it really about that though? I mean, you needed that for some kind of dramatic resolution. But you're right; it, it was a secondary part that you just uh, because you needed to have a plot resolution. Yeah. What What would you have wanted to see that would have made them more fleshed out or just better villains to you? Aside from the screamingly obvious. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I I think like we didn't need to take more time out from the parts of the episode that were entertaining, like, which was Diane and Sam. So, I mean, it was already crammed with a lot of stuff, so they got just sort of yeah shoved aside. I just feel like they, they didn't really have anything to them that made them stick out in my mind. So, I don't know, maybe if there was a little bit more depth added to, to some of the lines that they had, or, you know, more character stuff, maybe. Because I, I don't even... Like, the scene when they go to the bus stop, and they're talking to the bus driver. Uh, the most memorable part of that scene is that the bus driver is freaked out that he was going to die. Like, <laughs> what's up with that? But I never remember anything about the sheriff. And and that's such a cliche, too. Like, the corrupt sheriff that's in, a, in the pocket of so-and-so. And, you know, I mean, yeah. I just... Just needed more. Because none of that matters. The antagonist for the episode is Diane. And... <laughs> When you when you realise at the end that actually she's okay, you need something in the plot to just tie it up and, and shift the evil across to someone else. And that's all they're there for. They're a plot device. So, sure. yeah, I, I agree. I don't think there's anything needed to change with them. They didn't need to be more fleshed out because it would have detracted from the real antagonist for most of the episode, uh, which is Jane. What if this episode had not had them... And they they did a leap where it is simply resolved by realizing that she is a good person and they, they take the money where it needs to go. Do you think maybe it would be a bit of an anti-climax? Mm. Uh, that's a good question. I here's Here's why it's difficult to answer that. The fact that we did have the baddies at the end did add one of the best elements of this episode. And it was when both Diane and Sam were fighting them together 
And yeah. she 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 you know brings out the roundhouse kick just at the same <laughs> at the same time that Sam did, and that's why when again when I was thinking about the episode, I thought if they were ever going to add a third cast member, this one would have been it because it just something about her worked perfectly, and mm-hmm. I think that if we didn't have Goofus and Gallant coming together, <laughs> we would have missed out on that one terrific little beat. So, in yeah. my opinion, I think it's worth it to to suffer through them because, as Matt pointed out, somehow they're not as glaringly awful in the context of this episode as they would be anywhere else. So, while they were on screen, it was it was somewhat entertaining, and you get to have that neat fight at the end. So, I'd I'd advocate for keeping them. Um, just having Diane sort of convince Sam and them doing the, hmm. I don't know. I don't know if that would have worked because I think, I think you would have had to have made her a more evil character at base so that you could have that redemption at the end. And I think that would have taken away from some of the dynamic that we got to see. It was nice to see Sam and Diane join forces against someone you really wanted to see beat up, you know, (laughs) and you got that great, like she leaps off of the train onto them. Just like the the stunt double flying through the air in the the little pink dress to like tackle one of them. <laughs> that was a stunt double. I was so caught up in the episode, I was like, "Wow, Jane is kicking ass in this one!" Right, and then I realized, no, that that probably wasn't her. Yeah. She did. She probably did do a lot of the stunt work. That like the roundhouse was her, mm. and it seemed like she did have to do a lot of physical stuff in this. Little pink dress, flying stunt people, right? <laughs> That was just a theoretical what if with the villains weren't in it. I do think like it it did lead to some magic moments like that fight at the end. Like I I thought Sam and Diane were a good team. What is it with Sam and Diane's? Because (laughs) it was it was funny. The the we we to go back a little bit earlier. We were talking about his season one fixation on on the ladies, and to (laughs) me the only the only character that really sticks out in season one as a love interest was Diane McBride. And again, season two. Oh, that was season two. You know, because yeah. season one was so short. It was only what yeah. six episodes. So I always think of Honeymoon Express as the first season because the show is still. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of the early season two stuff still had some of that in there, like uh, Blind Faith. He's got that bit where like the French lady is walking away with her dogs, and then he like lowers the glasses to check her butt <laughs> out. Oh, don't remind <laughs> me. That, that doesn't seem like something he would do later. That felt like you know that's remnants of <laughs> season one, Sam. Horn dog Sam. Horn. <laughs> yeah, like they had all the stuff in like uh play it again Seymour. Uh when with him and uh Allison, the other Allison. <laughs> yeah. Um, when he's like uh you know, he he was uh, all over her. Yeah, but that was to me that was more of a a requirement of the noirish feel they were going for. They needed that femme fatale. Sure. So someone called Claudia Christian. You know? Yeah, well and he's fallen for plenty of ladies throughout the show too. It just seemed like he was uh more quick to just fall for a lady on physical appearances rather than, you know, later when it seems like he has to get to know her first. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now, maybe that's why Diane McBride stands out for me, too, because he went through a lot with her and he was deliberating the entire episode. What do I do? You know, and wasn't the mm-hmm. whole the whole monologue at the end of that episode is him basically saying to God, look, you know, this is going to happen now. So unless you take me out of here. Yeah. Sam's DTF. Well, so that- <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Well, that was the episode, I think, that really established, like, um, what they were going to do with his character, because before in season one, it was just sort of like, you know, figure out 
what they're doing. And then in that episode, that's where Sam says, look, I'm not going to sleep with someone I don't know. Like, I, I need to get to know him. I need to, I need to fall in love with her. So that I don't think had been something that he had said before. Hmm. When, when did that come in relation to Americanization of Machiko? Because he seemed to be smitten with Machiko too. That was afterwards, because that was season two. Yeah, all right, all right. So, well, they established that character beat then really well, early. He, fell, he yeah. fell in love with, like, Tess in uh, season one as well. So it's not like he didn't fall in love before, but... I'm trying to, yeah, you know... He always falls for the ladies. <laughs> Tess for me is so forgettable, so I don't know. A lot of love good, him and leave him. A lot of good radios in Tess. That's about all I remember about that one. That and the Aww. fact that his, his, his reflection had glasses and he didn't, so... Yeah, that was The important weird. things. Right. <laughs> All the head, Didn't you like, head uh, cannon uh, things. Buddy Holly and Piggy Sue. <laughs> Piggy Suey? That's another one, like a bunch of dumb country people, right? Like, oh, I, I won't marry a man unless she can outrope me. <laughs> you gotta ride Widowmaker. <laughs> <laughs> the greatest supporting character ever, Zeke, with the choppy slow motion and the mustache. <laughs> and Zeke over there. Maybe we need to do Tess as a bonus podcast. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and we could have a, we could have episode. we could have the best um, <laughs> sort of slow mo cameo. I'm still giving it to Cigar Smoking Man in <laughs> Piano Man. I think he's no, Zeke. I think Zeke he's got all over Cigar Zeke. Smoking Man anytime. <laughs> no. Zeke's the winner for me. <laughs> no, I think we're gonna have to have like a, a knockdown, drag him out, rumble, and. Uh, <laughs> Cigar smoking man would just probably put a cigar out in Zeke's eye. Yeah, and then freeze frame woman from um, Private Dancer just craps all over both of them. <laughs> I liked um, Judgy Joy Stockwell in uh, What Price Gloria. Just keep cutting to her in the same outfit looking all judgy. Every day she's there just judging Sam. I don't even know who that is now. Now we're oh, getting too deep. Too deep for even the host. Dean Stockwell's wife. He had a cameo in What, what Price, Price Gloria? Gloria, and he just kept that that secretary that kept throwing judgy looks. Yeah. That was wow, her. You could no just idea. edit her in throughout the series. <laughs> <laughs> just edit. No matter what's going on, yeah. cut to that same shot of her. Like, mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> what was her deal? <laughs> I think we're, you know what, like a lot of this I, is way off topic. I don't know what we're doing anymore. <laughs> well, it's good because this show evokes a lot of the good that we remember from the series as a whole, I think. So I, I think that's why and another reason. And bad slow-mo. And bad slow-mo, which we've <laughs> had a lot. Bad slow-mo, like the last episode with the wallet and the, and the <laughs> like chop. There was so much. I don't think we talked about this last time, but every time they did that slow-mo of like Philip looking at, at at Sam, it was all choppy because it, it wasn't filmed for slow motion. So I, that was weird. I never noticed that. It just looked like slow-mo to me. And I could understand why they put those shots in the episode. That was for, you know, a misfire, but it was for dramatic effect. Sure. It didn't really work. But I'm, I'm just like, Cigar Smoking Man was slow-mo for no reason. I think Zeke was slow-mo for no reason. So. Yeah, I think they just didn't have enough of of film of them just statically looking at something and they just needed something to cut to. Yeah. So those are the gold, you know, those are the money shots. <laughs> they had another freeze frame in Glitter Rock too that I noticed. Really? When, uh, San yeah, after they're, uh, they're discussing if Whitler is the, uh, threw the light down or dropped the light on him or whatever. And then like they cut to him, like Sam and Al watching the stage and it's just a freeze frame of them. <laughs> <laughs> 
and then fade to commercial break. <laughs> no one will ever notice. I, I really have to stop watching this on my iPad, right? I need to watch this on a bigger TV and catch all these things that you guys catch. <laughs> you know, I like that. I like that Sam was nice to her even after the stuff that she did like he was mad but he still has that boy scout about him you know like he's so pissed about everything but then when they come in from the storm like he's still giving her his jacket like oh you're really cold take the jacket right you know there was another bit i like too i don't know if we need to just wrap stuff up but um when sam asks her like do you want to sleep in the chair you want to sleep in the hay you want to sleep in your chair in the hay hi knocks her over (laughs) just goes to he's so done (laughs) yeah that was that was really good like anytime like sam's just at the end of his rope like he when he just stops being polite like he's just like i don't don't give a shit (laughs) (laughs) and it's good because scott you know um sometimes he doesn't play irritated that well I, I it just maybe it's because I'm so used to seeing him as Sam that anytime I, I think I don't know I think Sam's kind of a whiner sometimes though, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he can be. He just get kind of whiny. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because I was thinking about um, I was thinking about one of the lines in Southern Comforts when Sam is just like, "What is it with all this bad news from Ziggy? Why can't Ziggy give us good news every once in a while? Why?" And I thought, well, because that's the show is about you yes. having to fix stuff. So why are you complaining about that? That's a weird thing to Z- complain Ziggy about. Ziggy gives some good news at the end. He gets good news there. And you know? that's when you leave. <laughs> and it's just like so you're right i guess maybe sam does have a penchant for whining and i think i was going more for like not so much the whining thing which which i guess he does pretty well but i think that when scott tries to play angry i have a hard time buying it and i think mainly because i think of him as sam so i never see sam as like getting really angry but in this one it wasn't so much anger as it was just like like you said Allison. he was at the end of his rope he was just frustrated Mm. tired smelly and done and (laughs) he played it he played it perfectly like he gave her more than enough chances he (laughs) and then he got knocked unconscious uh his ribs cracked uh you know like i think anyone would be pretty done by that point <laughs> well yeah and also you needed that so that you could get to the liniment because without all that you wouldn't have had you know sexy sam without his shirt now is this the first time in this season or it's the first time i think since we've started doing the podcast where sam has been walking around for a prolonged period of time with no shirt on um well, hang on. The look, look at the shirtless count. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm sure one exists somewhere. Yeah, yeah, one exists in the book. Um, in in the guide page for this very episode, um, Private Dancer is the last time he had his shirt off. Um, eight and a half months as well, uh, and then before that, Miss Deep South. So yeah, it's... when did he have his shirt off in eight and a half? Yeah, months? that's kind of weird. Oh, I don't remember. Um, I'm just trying to think, why would Billy Jean be walking around topless? Yeah, he was wearing like a slip in the in the hospital. I think that's incorrect. You know, I'm going to have to go back and check this now. <laughs> Matt, I think we found a typo. No. <laughs> Sam shirt. I do think this is probably the most prolonged shirtlessness oh, yeah. uh, since we started doing this. 
Yeah, yeah and since we started doing this. Apparently... Yeah, he's shirtless and handcuffed. He he was going to be shirtless right the way through to the end of the episode. There, there, there's an earlier draft of the script where the, he just never put his shirt back on. Um, <laughs> was it this one? I thought it was Her Charm was the one that... Well, no, Her Charm, he was running around shirtless, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> he was just shirtless through the whole last act. <laughs> no, this this is according to uh, to Beverly Bridges at QuantumCon in 1992. Right, but then they said, like, hey, it's super cold. Yes. So, so the shirt went back on. Uh, wow. That's how you know um, she wrote it, right? Because if it's a woman writing it, they're going to get him shirtless more. Yeah, pretty much. It's funny. I never, I never thought about these kinds of things until I started doing this podcast with you two lunatics. So. <laughs> it's the important stuff. The important you stuff. Think about you didn't think about how sexy Scott Bakula was with no shirt on. Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> this eight and a half months thing is going to bug me now. I'm, I'm going to have to watch. I, I am certain he was not shirtless in eight and a half. Yeah, but I, I also know that when I started this book, there was like a, a bunch that I had a spreadsheet with columns of like <laughs> when Ziggy is referred to as he or she, um, when Sam gets his top off. It's all these things <laughs> that I was tracking. I don't know why I'd have put eight and a half months unless uh, at some point. May only be briefly, <laughs> but... I was watching his nipples <laughs> carefully. <laughs> I was doing it for Albie, really. What is going on with this podcast today? <laughs> I don't know. Oh my god! I know that we have been all over the place at times, but I think today we are just especially. We're. I, uh, I think <laughs> all of us like the heat has yeah, drained us, and we're just like mentally just so gone. One thing I wanted to note, uh, Sam at the end with the hat and the scruff, very Indiana Jones looking. That was a good look for him. Well, I was sort of thinking of that scene in Raiders when he and Marion get together. It's after um, all of the uh, the truck part and where he's being dragged by his whip when they're on the on the ship. And she's just, she's trying to kiss him. And he's like, that hurts. And that hurts. And does any place not hurt? <laughs> he, you know, he points like to his cheek and then to his lip. And uh, she was going to, you know, rub him down with some liniment. And then she hits him in the face with the mirror, you know. And that was a nice little slapstick but sexy part of that movie. And this really um, reminded me of that. I wonder if they were going for that very deliberately. Sort of that that Indiana Jones, kind of that that Pulp Fiction look maybe mm. his jacket was so plasticky looking i just kept thinking about you know that that swishy sound like every time he walked just <laughs> oh my god it was not a great jacket <laughs> but he did have that kind of adventurer look which i guess was you know the bounty hunter kind of look going on there yeah and it's always funny to me when sam leaps into like someone with say like a full beard how does he trim it? Like, <laughs> what, what does he feel when he puts his hands up to Carefully his face? Carefully in a mirror. Right? Like, can can he see? I mean, we've, we've established in canon that he may be not even be able to feel invisible glasses that are on his face. Yet are somehow visible in a mirror. 
So yeah, well, I think later <laughs> they they always put him in glasses if he's wearing them. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. Just but yeah, well, I mean, it. I think it's clear. Like his facial hair does not work the same way as the hair of the leapy because he's like growing that scruff and stuff by then, and like um, right. he didn't have the mustache or anything like the the other guy did. So, but then you go into like you know when he's in a woman, he's got longer hair. Like how does he style it? It's just confusing. That that brings to mind in what price Gloria. When he was always yeah. teasing his hair and he always had like uh, just a terrible hairdos in that, that I guess <laughs> supposedly looked good on Gloria, but <laughs> it's just like, it's like they. <laughs> the, some bizarre afros going on with Scott Bakula in that one. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, do you think that they decided that just got a little bit too problematic and decided, eh, if we don't pay attention to it, the audience won't pay attention to it? They They do style his hair when he's in a woman but like it's in subtler ways i think like you know they'll have like little barrettes in it or little you know like they'll, they'll curl it a little bit i just don't think it's as wildly over the top as that one i think maybe they were a little more conscious of like okay here's something that looks a little less insane <laughs> <laughs> also that was the first time he was a woman so they were just having yeah. a lot of fun i think it was like a no holds barred kind of deal mm-hmm. and he had the longer hair then too like he i think you know later on like he's got the shorter hair they had more to play with yeah yeah it's not like that season five scalp job that he's got <laughs> see i pay attention to scott's hair <laughs> you were you weren't looking at his nipples the important part <laughs> and do we have anything else to say about the hunting we will go before we i feel i feel talk bad about at- his nipples some more <laughs> I do feel bad that we're not giving this episode more of a focus, but I think it's almost the same problem I had with Captain Galaxy, with Future Boy. It's an episode that I enjoyed so much that I just come at it like, duh, I have nothing else really of substance to say, but yeah, remember that? That was cool. Oh, that was pretty funny too. Oh, and I really like that (laughs) funny part, and that worked really well. So it's, it's one of the odd contradictions of doing something like this. When you're faced with a show that is solid on almost every front, it really saps the conversation to an extent because you don't have anything to bitch about. And in this one, I really have nothing to bitch about. I genuinely mm. love this episode. So yep. how many more times and how many different ways can I say it? Yeah, well, I think we brought up, a, you know, plenty of good points about it. I think we're very distractible today. Uh, so I <laughs> Again, mean, blame that, that doesn't speak to the that doesn't speak to the quality of the episode, I think, because there's some of them where it's like, I don't know, I'm not feeling the episode, but we could talk about whatever. But uh, this one, I think, is one of their their strong ones. And uh, Jane Sibbett, I think, is one of their best guest stars because she really did carry the episode and she's genuinely charismatic to watch. Yeah. And so- Quantum Leap is one of these shows that is all about the guest stars. They're, they're the ones that make or break it from one week to the next. So, yeah, Um she needs to take a lot of credit for that. And I think, I know we try not to uh, talk about feelings about upcoming episodes, but I do think we're in the middle of a really strong run at the moment. Yeah, season three is just a, yeah. a block of very, very solid episodes. But particularly about half a dozen episodes around this point. I, I'm not going to argue with you there, Matt. So unless unless you're going to try to put Piano Man in that list, and then I will fight no, you to the no, death. No, 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 no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I can tell you there there's one or two coming up that I I would disagree about, Ooh, but I good. guess we'll get there. Good. Mm. Ooh. Maybe Allison is is not like. <gasps> oh, what a great episode! <laughs> I was gonna say, Allison's going to become Grumpy Chris. <laughs> this <laughs> Grumpy Grumpy Allison. No, uh, guys, I can't believe you liked this. <laughs> can't wait. 
What a, what a spit in the oh, face to this show. This episode sucks, and so do you both. <laughs> I'm sitting out of this one. Let's just make I'm sure offended. we get the writer on for a co-host for uh, any episodes that Allison doesn't like. Yeah, yeah. Don't make me the dick all <laughs> <Yeah>. the time. <laughs> uh, we're gonna be talking about this one. Yeah, good job. I just had to come up in the roster eventually. <laughs> Thank you. We have to reference that every show from yeah. now on. <laughs> <laughs> completely, completely make me seem like a jerk. But uh, I guess it yeah. was my own fault for pointing out the obvious. Huh? <laughs> anyway. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, All with right. that, uh, why don't we throw it a break? And we will be back. Starbase. The International Star Trek and Science Fiction Podcast. And the other ships, the computer was female. Right. I think Kennedy should be the new voice. Works for me. Not doing it. <laughs> I want I want to be the sexy, obnoxious voice in uh, Tomorrow Was Yesterday. But a guy. This is the one where... Uh, where Ready? Yeah, exactly. But I, I want to be like... Uh, computer. Access. Library. You got it, baby. <laughs> I got your sweet, sexy library coming right up. I would eradicate Starfleet in a heartbeat. Starbase 66, along with many other fine podcasts, is available at simplysyndicated.com. Live long and prosper. This is Jane Sippet, and you are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Oh, is that? Yeah, I was talking about the slip there. That counts as shirtless to you, Matt? Yeah, admittedly, barely. Okay, I, it's, yeah, that's, apparently I was being optimistic. You were looking at his bare arms and you're like, mm, the no, muscle tone. You, you can see, you can see chest there. You can see hair. Oh, he looks so good. Yeah. <laughs> is, mm. is that what I sound like Delicious. to you? Delicious. Hmm. I don't know. I'm oh. trying to do an accent. <laughs> <laughs> Tip top. <laughs> Oh, look like make the Beatles look like ants. <laughs> Core blimey. Uh, <laughs> Core blimey. That's got to be my favorite. Hi, guys. We're back. Uh, <laughs> I do say Core blimey a lot. We've been having fun over the break. Uh, we, <laughs> we were looking to see if we had any feedback, and it turns out we have a bunch. And it sent Allison and Matt into a Core blimey tangent. And anytime I think of Core. <laughs> Blimey, crime it, criminy crumbs. I think of Penfold from Danger Mouse. <laughs> I don't know if I'm the only one Core that gets chief. that reference. <laughs> oh, well, you won't be on this side of the pond. Okay, so there we go. Wow, so, Danger Mouse. Oh, sure. You're old. Oh, yeah, let's put in another <laughs> Save by the Bell reference then, why don't we? <laughs> Allison, Danger Mouse Save is back. Save by the back. Bell is more hip than Danger Mouse. Da- Danger Mouse is back. There's, there's a modern reboot from a couple of years ago. Is it? Yeah, yeah I heard it really sucked. It, no, it's good. It's is it really? Ad- it it captures a lot of the humor. I I was expecting it to be bad. Does Danger Mouse get a reboot and Quantum Leap gets left <laughs> by the wayside? It's a lot well, cheaper to draw Danger Mouse. I can draw Danger Mouse, so it shows you that the bar is not that high. Wow. <laughs> I don't know if I could draw Penfold though. So Allison, shush. Let's see what we have for so, uh, feedback. <laughs> 
<laughs> that was a Danger Mouse reference, by the way, everyone. I'm not being misogynistic and telling Allison to shut up. Penfield, shush! Oh, I just thought, because sometimes I don't shut up. <laughs> no, that was really, that was a Danger Mouse yeah, I was joke. Like, that's fair. And then I realized that would be like you making, like, a Say by the Bell joke at me, and I would be like, huh? So... And I'd be giggling in the background. There you go. So Matt knows all. <laughs> Don't worry, we would never say that because we're friends forever. <laughs> See? What? Oh, I'm crying a little now. <laughs> Call Blimey. Um, it's a good thing that Allison is popular on social media because she's got a bunch of Twitter responses and Facebook responses to our King Thunder Glitter Rock episode. Uh, do you want to start reading a few of these out? Sure. If any of them don't need to be here, we can just cut them out. But <laughs> All right. Uh, can I start? Wait, is there specific ones you want there, yeah. to read? You know, actually, there's one I want to start with, if you guys don't mind. Sure. It's from Nick McCallick, Michaelak, and I never was able to say this, but Nick was also a commenter and a responder to my old podcast, uh, Castle Rock TV Pod, and... 112263. And Nick, I'm happy that you followed us here. And now that you're stalking Allison on Twitter, I have more stuff to read about. Um, <laughs> he wrote for Glitter Rock. He wrote, Glitter Rock is one of my all-time favorites. I love the King Thunder Rock songs, and the story is really cool. I like the haunting atmosphere at times and how Al keeps giving equal arguments for how everyone is a guilty suspect. Fun stuff. <laughs> and I think that's something that we picked up on, too, that we really liked yeah. about it. Yeah. So thanks, Nick, for uh, responding. We're glad that you're uh, listening, that you've made the leap to the Quantum Leap podcast. <laughs> and uh, keep those. That's really cool. See, I didn't know that he was uh, also a listener to, for your Castle Rock one. So that's. that's yeah, really it was cool. just fun. And thanks for following me, Nick. Yeah, and I never would have <laughs> known because, you know, I'm not looking at the comments for your Twitter feed. So it's like, it's, it's nice that you just brought this up. It was a pleasant surprise. So reading yeah. the comments on Allison's Twitter feed is a full time job. <laughs> it is. It's a full time job. Yes. <laughs> yeah, well, you have, you have things called followers. I think I have yeah. 239 followers and no one ever oh. responds. <laughs> to what I tweet, but then again, I tweet once every six months too, so that could have something to do with it. He tells himself <laughs> deludedly as if anyone would find anything of value in what he tweets. Well, here's the secret if you want to get popular like me, tweet about Knight Rider. <laughs> <laughs> I think really that's, that's what gets and brings them in. <laughs> that's your business plan? <laughs> Yeah. Allison, I do want you to read the, n the next one from Silent Bob X because I don't know if I'd be able to get through it without cracking up. Oh, okay. <laughs> Silent Bob X says, I have a vague recollection of this. He's playing the Ace Freely. Is it Freely? Ace Freely. 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 Okay. He's playing the Ace Freely of the group, minus the buckets of cocaine. <laughs> Someone let me know if I'm off. Well, is he off? You're you're the expert, Chris. Who's Ace, Ace Freely? Was... Ace Freely was, I told you that the King Thunder look was mm. modeled, I think, most ah, after Ace, okay. because Ace had the metallic silver makeup on his eyes, and everybody in King Thunder had uh, the metallic makeup as well. So the fact that uh, he's picked up on that as well. Now, as far as Ace and buckets and buckets of cocaine, no clue if he's right, but it sure is funny in a tweet. So, <laughs> Well, you know what? Like, I would be very surprised if the members of KISS did not do cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> at least at some point, right? Yeah, like, th that seems uh, to line up. <laughs> uh, here's a good comment from Fiend of Dope Island. <laughs> Wolfman has all the nards. All of them. <laughs> all the nards. <laughs> 
Silence. <laughs> By the way, thank you, Silent Bob X. I was just so excited about Fiend of Dope Island. <laughs> is that a reference that I don't get? Is that a Say by the Bell reference? Fiend of Dope Island? I don't know what that is. It's just funny. <laughs> okay, good. No context needed or required. <laughs> Definitely. That's Nick at Nick Carton one wrote that yes okay. and silent bob x is at our chappelle junior uh junior yes yes so fiend fiend of dope island is a very bad movie from 1961 it sounds like something allison no i've just googled um it sounds like something allison should know um, yeah, Fiend of Dope Island. A nightclub entertainer and the man she truly loves conspire to end a black marketeer's tyrannic rule. <laughs> wow. Amazing. Also, also wow. released as Whiplash um, and described as a lurid men's adventure. Starring Bruce Bennett as Charlie, King of the Island, a human beast who rules by the law of the whip, a sadistic maniac whose dark secret must be constantly guarded by violence, terror, and murder. Sounds sounds like a typical '60s exploitation yep. film. Is what that sounds <laughs> pretty like pretty much. I'd really love it to see that. It sounds like actually. it'll be very yellow and sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like you can you can smell it through the screen because that's that's sort of that kind of fair. <laughs> that's the best kind. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, speaking of luridly bad movies and Kiss, uh, Matt, why don't you take the next one from Facebook? Yes. Yes, I'm quite happy to take this next one. <clears throat> um, yeah, good luck at reading that name. Thanks, is that why you've... Uh... <laughs> cool, blimey, I can't read this <laughs> name! Oh my god, G- Gabriel Lencinas Peresi. Okay. Gabriel Lencinas Peresi said... Phantom of the Park is lame. His plan to humiliate Kiss by having their robot duplicates... I don't know what this means at all. I'm sure I'm sure it means something to Chris. Um, his plan to humiliate Kiss by having their robot duplicates play badly on purpose failed because they sounded fine, and yet people were allegedly upset about it. Oh, and Kiss kicked their asses. Realistically, the crowd would have been fine with the robots, and Kiss should have hired that guy for his robots. Why not the Phantom of Paradise? With the- there's like three words in that that made sense to me. Can you guys explain that? <laughs> do, you, do you know Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park? We talked about that briefly Clearly in the other one. Clearly not. All right, I'll watch that before the next podcast and I can tell you what I thought about oh, it. Oh, man. It, 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 y- yes, please do watch Kiss meets the Phantom of the Park. Maybe that should be a bonus. <laughs> yeah, there we Kiss go. meets Phantom of the Park. Yeah. It's this infamously bad movie they did. It was a TV movie where they meet the Phantom of the Park. <laughs> And the thing is, the guy tries to replace them with robot duplicates so that they, you know, they crash and burn. But he points out that they really didn't play badly at all. And the crowd was reacting to a basic <laughs> Kiss concert, which which goes to prove my assertion that Kiss is one of the most overrated bands in rock and roll history. <laughs> I mean, if you can play basically and sing basically, you're on par with Kiss, even if you're a robot, apparently. So thank you for picking up on that, Gabriel. <laughs> I can't believe you just made me read out that feedback that makes no sense to me. <laughs> it made a lot of sense to me. It was hilarious. Cool. <laughs> Trust us, Matt. We gave you one of the best ones. <laughs> Thank you. <clears throat> I'll find that funny another time. You will. You will. After you, Go watch Phantom of the Park and then reread this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And should we do one last one? Which one? The Wolfman does have nards. Wolfman does have nards. <laughs> Carl Lonsdale agrees. I, I believe this is a proven fact. <laughs> Wolfman has nards. I don't believe that this is an argument anymore. Scientists agree. <laughs> All right. <laughs> They've looked at the data. Wolfman does have nards. 
Wolfman's got an art. <laughs> oh, I was talking about the one above the one Matt just read. Um, it refers uh, specifically oh. to a shot that Allison posted of, I don't, where did this come from, Allison? It's a shot of Dean Stockwell in a stop sign jacket standing in front of Sam dressed up as Tonic. But he's like, he's spiking the camera. And he's biting. That is a screenshot that, from the actual. It is. So he's biting his lip. That, there is a point. I wish I'd brought it up when we were talking about <laughs> it. I guess I will now. <laughs> Dean Stockwell just looks straight at the camera <laughs> when he's <laughs> doing his mugging. I really thought that he was just mugging for a behind the set photo in this. That actually no, made the air. He just dives across the screen when he's doing his dancing during the concert. That is my favorite screen cap out of all of Quantum Leap. It's just this look of Dean Stockwell right at the camera, rocking out. The fact that Hilarious. it fitted in so well that Chris didn't even spot it just shows you what a ridiculous <laughs> episode Glitter Rock is in many ways. Yeah, uh, ridiculously great. Did you catch it, Matt? Yeah, oh, Did yeah, you yeah. catch him? Yeah, no, I, I recognized the <laughs> screenshot as soon as you posted it. I had no idea. I really thought it was just a behind-the-scenes shot that you had dug up, Allison, because you're good at that. Um, but Eric Young apparently really likes it, too, and he wrote, Dean Stockwell binding his lip passionately on this thumbnail is a license to print money. Put it on a Zima or Dunkaroos commercial, and my money would already be spent. So. I like that these two things are equivalent, Zima or Dunkaroos. I, I don't know what either of those things are. You have to explain a lot to me. Zima, it's like another... Just weird callbacks for me tonight because one of the things that we talked about a lot on the Castle Rock podcast was Zima. And my old co-host Skip actually like he ordered Zima from Japan because he couldn't find it anywhere else. And he's still talking about it. So they recently did like a, a short re-release of Zima. Yeah, didn't they? yeah, like yeah. They, That's why it's it's come back it's up. A, it was a drink that was big in the nineties. Yeah, it was okay. it was basically the anti wine cooler of the nineties, Matt. If you didn't like wine coolers and you didn't like beer, you went and you had a Zima. And it was just like this clear, awful tasting garbage that was somewhat alcoholic. <laughs> yeah, one of my friends had me try it because I, I was not drinking in the nineties. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh they they when the re release came out or whatever, they uh they had me try it, and I was like, this is junk. This is gross. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I think maybe they were just going for 90s references with that and the Dunkaroos. Yeah, that's how I, I was going to ask you. Dunkaroos are the, still out, I thought Dunkaroos they? were like underwear with superhero logos on them. Dunkaroos. Is it? I was thinking of... So he wants underwear with Dean Stockwell on it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I was thinking of underoos, underoos. Yeah, underoos. Yeah. yeah, Dunkaroos is the kangaroo-shaped cookies than the frosting. But they still exist. I have never had like those. They're... Are those good? Those sound good. I don't know. I don't think I ever had them either. If I did, it was probably in the 90s. <laughs> All right. So we're going to do a bonus episode where we're drinking Zima, eating Dunkaroos, and commenting on oh, Phantom God. of the Park. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that that was a hard sit, though, let me tell you, because I've seen Phantom of the Park in Lordy. <laughs> it goes on for a while. <laughs> lordy, lordy, lordy. Well, lordy, the lighting, mm, not great. <laughs> 70s, not the best time for TV movies, turns out. <laughs> I gotta admit, you guys, I've completely switched off in this podcast now. I'm just imagining pants with Dean Stockwell on. <laughs> Sorry, underpants you know for the what? American that's one of my favorite. That's one of my favorite British expressions. That's completely pants. <laughs> that's completely pants. <laughs> Hilarious. Oh, wait, so Matt, when you said pants, is that, is that I, like I meant vernacular underwear. for underpants? 
Yes. Is it? Oh, I didn't know that because I thought that then you corrected yourself. I thought you meant to say underpants, but just said pants by mistake. I, I correct myself for you. Thank you, because right. you don't have for to. For the dumb Americans. <laughs> exactly. Merca, what do you mean? It's called underwear here. I don't expect you to understand the mother tongue. Pants? You mean underpants? Pants? You wear pants to the supermarket. So you wouldn't, it would just be like trousers? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I mean, trousers with Dean Stockwell on is also amusing, but not not quite as amusing as underpants. Uh, <laughs> yeah, underoos <laughs> with Dean Stock. Can you imagine like Quantum Leap underoos? <laughs> Wait, underoos with that picture of Dean Stockwell on it, <laughs> the the thumbnail from Glitter Rock. <laughs> you guys know I'm a fan of Doctor Who, right? Yes. Yeah, they did have those, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, in the 1970s, when Tom Baker was the Doctor, uh, there were Tom Baker underpants. Have you have you collected a pair of them? Be honest. I do. I wish I had a pair of them. It would mean instant <laughs> celibacy. Um, but because uh, <laughs> imagine, I mean, just imagine. Um, <laughs> Your wife would be like, "I have to go." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you'd be wearing recording these podcasts in the heat. <laughs> <laughs> Sat here with Tom on my crotch. Oh my god, I wish, oh, that's so hilarious. I wish I had had that vision in my head the entire time we were recording this. So, I think this this feedback brought us into many dark places. So. Yes. Let's Thank wrap this up Thank you for all now. the responses, everyone. Yeah, that was um, terrific. Thanks for hanging in during the Underoos talk. Um, <laughs> a lot of fun. And- I just want I just want to say uh, thank you to the people commenting on Twitter and Facebook. This is, I think, the most feedback mm. that we've gotten um, for a podcast since we started hosting. Definitely. And, uh, and I appreciate people commenting because I do realize people on my Twitter, um, a lot of them aren't following the podcast. So uh, if you're like a first time listener or you're new to this, um, thank you for checking us out. I uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. And if you are one of those new listeners and you want to get in touch with us, there are many ways that you can do so. You can contact us at... Shit, I don't have the uh, stuff up. (laughs) (laughs) You can just uh, get a carrier pigeon, (laughs) attach something, and then they'll they'll know where to find us. I wasn't prepared. Huh. Hmm. File. Let's see. Recent. Hmm. No idea. I have no idea where God, I put this. This shit. is the most Un- just it's, like this is the worst. This podcast just like fell apart so quick. Yeah. At Quantum Leap Pods. Um Quantum Leap Podcast at gmail.com. Just Google us. Stop being lazy. <laughs> this organization is completely pants. <laughs> I had no idea you appreciated the word pants so much. I'll try and uh use it more often. I have another another British friend also named Matt, and he'll he'll use he's the most British person who ever lived. Okay, like he he is the stereotype, and like he completely pants. <laughs> it's raining today. It's pissing it down. <laughs> Sorry, guys, I could be a bit of a Wally. Why, why does he? Like, like, is that real? A wa- he's Oliver Twist. Okay, he he sounds like Terry Jones being a woman. Spam, 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 spam. <laughs> he sounds a little like Penfold, if you ask me. <laughs> oh, I didn't believe Wally was real. I'm like, you're making that up. Yeah, in American, we say if someone's being dumb, they're a Steve. That's what we do. <laughs> yeah, sure, that's real. <laughs> oh, you guys are you guys are too much. Here we go. Hey, look, I found the feedback information. Does anybody still want it? <laughs>
Go on. You can contact us by Print phone. Put it on a pair of underoos and send it as, <laughs> as a bonus. If you fund us on Patreon, send you a pair of exclusive podcast underoos. With our faces on them. Oh. <laughs> One of each, you'll collect the set. Oh, that's right. That's a good way to gin up more. I was yeah. going to do all three of them. Pack of three. <laughs> I'm wearing Chris today. <laughs> I'm feeling saucy. I'm sitting on Mad's face. You couldn't tell, <laughs> could you? <laughs> I could. We can't say anything about Allison's because yes. then they'd call HR. Yes. <laughs> I can make a joke about sitting on Allison's face. I mean, Mad's <laughs> face, but not on Allison's face. Otherwise, then I'd, then I'd become a creep. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right. So, does anyone want this phone number? I still have it. Seven oh seven. Let people know. <laughs> Set them free. Seven oh seven eight four seven six six eight two. That's where you can reach us if you want to tell us that the Wolfman does indeed have Nords. You can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail dot com. That's where you can write us an email about how much Phantom of the Park sucked. You can find us on Facebook at facebook dot com slash quantumleappodcast, and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at quantum leap pod so please find one or multiple ways to get to us let us know what you think about the show and if you want to go that extra mile you can support us on patreon at patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast and remember we may use your response on an upcoming episode of the podcast and hopefully we'll be able to joke about it as much as we've been able to joke about these terrific responses that we just went through so thanks a lot guys for responding and uh let's get this back on track what's next what what do we got coming up Oh, darkness. The best comedy episode ever. (laughs) You're sick. What is it, Matt? It's the last dance before an execution. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute, there's been some kind of a mistake. You're the one who made the mistake, Jesus. No, Jesus, no. Just try to think of some place. Far away. Let it be known that on the 12th day of May 1971, in the presence of these witnesses, that Jesus Ortega was condemned by the state of Florida to death by electrocution. Oh, God. Just cue the laugh track. <laughs> Yeah, that leap out, that's that's pretty much going to set the tone for the whole episode. We did not get no boy. It was an oh god. Like, this is whew, stone cold. Can you imagine, though? So, yeah, I'm going from a goofy rock and roll episode, a funny bounty hunter episode, and now Sam on death row mm. about to get fried. You really know how to throw your punches, uh, season three. So, <laughs> <laughs> do you do you remember this one, Chris? You're, I you're do. probably the one. I that's... do. I actually, I, I think we're gonna have a lot to talk about. So, I suspect we might laugh a little bit less. Yeah, I just it's just gonna be weird to figure out how to joke about it, but we will. I'm sure we will. But until then, tune in and find out, leapers. I've been Christopher D. Philippus. I've been Allison Pregler. and I've been Matt Dale. Core blimey crumbs. See you next time. Core chief. (laughs) (laughs) Mrs. Brand, you've got a lovely daughter. Wrong show. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast, hosted by Allison, Matt, and Chris. With voice talent and contributions from Zoe Dean and Hayden McQueenie. 
visit us at quantumleappodcast.com. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. The Quantum Leap Podcast is edited by Albie, Allison, and Christopher DeFilippis. The production assistant is Jesse Newman. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap Podcast is Albert Burge. Juan Muro, Christopher DeFilippis, and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent or reflect those of the Quantum Leap Podcast, its partners, or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap Podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. Please visit barrenspace.com for this and other amazing content. The Quantum Leap Podcast is a Baron Space production. All right, guys, and also do me a favor on the count of three. Just snap your fingers a few times into your microphones, okay? Uh, I'll One. clap. One. <laughs> oh, you can't snap? I can't snap. Oh. <laughs> we're learning new stuff about Allison. Really? Okay, yeah. you can clap. We'll snap mm. just to show off. <laughs> on three. One, two, three. Okay. That's a lot of noise that, that will help me so align easy. the tracks. There we go. I know, snapping. It's a snap. Yeah. That's why it's even right there in the phrase, in the idiom. It's not a snap for me. It's not a snap to snap. <clears throat> I'm sorry, guys. I just got um, like an allergy thing going here. So if I'm coughing or clearing my throat. Oh, well, you were I just apologize. getting emotional. Yeah, no, I was. I was. <laughs> I was just thinking about how much I hate Piano Man. <laughs> why, why did that have to be made? <laughs> <laughs> it was going to come around in the rotation sometime. Sherlock! <laughs> Sherlock! <laughs> you ruined my life. <laughs> you ruined Quantum Leap. That's when the show jumped the shark. That's when the show... Went loose. When it jumped the Sherlock. Sherlock. <laughs> jumped the Sherlock. <laughs> I was like, how many times can I use that clip of Wolfman's got nards? In <laughs> All the times. <laughs> Wolfman's got nards. I d there was another song they did that I knew, and I didn't know until looking it up. The the um, I'm into something good. Oh, mm. um, something tells me I'm into something yeah. good. No, you remember that from Police Academy, probably. Police Academy, yeah. Or Police Squad. No, Police they did Squad. a cover of it, though. Yeah. No, they no, did, no, that was Herbert's Hermits. That's yeah. their song. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well, I didn't see poli police, police Squad. Squad. Oh, yeah. right. Police You're talking Squad. about Leslie Nielsen. Yeah. The Naked Gun. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, I do definitely. When they, they go to see Platoon <laughs> and then they're, they're laughing, run, running down the beach. Yeah. <laughs> Something tells me. <laughs> and uh, But I have heard that song before, so I, I just didn't. <laughs> I, I think I'd heard their name before, but it just didn't click with me. Yeah, well, and I'm Herman's sure there's Herman's one more I could sing that you probably know. But uh, do you want me to sing it for mm -hmm. you, Allison? All right. There's a kind of hush all over the world tonight. Oh! All over the world you can yeah. hear the sound of lovers in love. Do you know what yeah. I mean? These guys are great. I'm wearing mats, face on my pants. Today. 